I'm Abby Hornacek. This is Tucker Carlson. And I'm Jessica Tarlov. This is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, December 24th, 2021. I'm Simon Owen. As yet another twist emerges in the story of COVID-19 in the shape of the Omicron variant, what might the pandemic be doing to our minds? What people don't tolerate at all, in my experience, is chronic uncertainty. You can't make a mental adjustment to it. You don't quite know what it is that you're adjusting to. And I feel that that's one of the most sort of mentally destructive kind of experiences for people to have. This is the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. It's another holiday season featuring a fair amount of uncertainty and anxiety. Covid case numbers were already rising again in the United States and now there's a new twist in the shape of the highly contagious Omicron variant. After nearly two years on an emotional seesaw, research suggests many Americans feel worn out. At the beginning of the pandemic, There was just a lack of cynicism. People were nervous, but there was a sense that we were all in this together. Alistair Santhaus is a leading British psychiatrist who, like healthcare professionals the world over, has had a busy couple of years. He's also just published his first book called Head First. He joined us to discuss how the outbreak might be impacting our minds. But I think it's been really over the course of the pandemic as things have dragged on that that really we're starting to see the psychiatric and psychological effects. I mean, very broadly, I would characterise anxiety as threat events, future threat over which we have little or no control. And of course, COVID has brought all of that in in its wake. So job insecurity, accommodation insecurity, financial insecurities, all that uncertainty, I think, has undoubtedly heightened people's anxiety. And again, just to broadly characterise it, depression is about loss events, if I will put it like that. So loss of employment, loss of certainty, just often loss of um, financial stability. And, And of course, bereavement has been part of many people's experience of this pandemic. So there's been undoubtedly a lot of mental health Uh, problems. And it's recorded that the mental health referrals have certainly increased. I think as well for people with pre-existing severe mental illness, it's been harder to access help. And I think as well, there's, you know, more broadly in the terms of the psychological effects, you see people who've been isolated, there's loneliness. And I think that kind of thing, being lonely, being disconnected, not able to go into work or cut off from family and friends to a greater degree has also had an impact on people's sense of mental well-being. And um, so I think all in all, it's been a very difficult time for everyone in society. And, And I think we're increasingly seeing the fallout from that at the moment. So, I mean, we know it's a respiratory disease. We talk a lot about the cough, about the fever and everything else. But you're saying you've seen a very clear impact as well on people's minds. Yes, I I think that's absolutely right. I mean, part of what COVID has done is not just attack us in terms of the physiological effects on our body, but somehow a lot of us have become a bit frightened, demoralised, and it's had a psychological impact on us. Is this going to linger, do you think? 
I, I think, I mean, most, most mental health problems tend to be relatively sort of circumscribed or transient. You know, they, they, they come and often they come for a defined period and then they go again. But the thing that perhaps worries me a little bit more is the effect it's had on society, which has become a little bit polarising. And, and I've wondered about that. I think that when people are feeling a little bit afraid, a bit uncertain, I think there's a great tendency to simplify things. And what I've seen is that the debate has become very polarised, very simplified from people that are for or against vaccines or lockdowns or you know, masks or all sorts of things. And I think that that's not been healthy overall for society. So I think the more sort of specific mental health problems, yes, I think they'll improve. I hope as well that in time, this, this sense of division that, that the uh, virus has caused, I hope too that that will improve. I mean, we're, we're talking with, with this pandemic, the impact is potentially on about 7 billion odd people. So obviously this is going to be a huge range of, of experiences. I wonder if for a lot of people, though, the experience has been a basically endless disruption. For a lot of people, the disruption would have been minor, but it would have kept happening. It would have been unpredictable and it's run on for a very long time. What sort of impact can that have on somebody's mind? I mean, I, I would say, and this isn't my own uh, sort of analogy, but and I can't remember I first heard it now, but I suppose it's like the equivalent of losing $500, which is it very much depends on who you are. You know, for some people, when it's about not being able to make the mortgage or the rent or pay their bills, it has a very different impact from someone who's just a little bit irritated and perhaps inconvenienced by it, but not fundamentally threatened by it. So how this virus affects you depends on your job security and whether whether or not it's affected your health or the health of people around you. So there's this whole sort of range of impact depending on who you are. But I think that like most things that, that happen to us, it's the people who started off in a more vulnerable situation in the first place who are always more susceptible to the effects of the of the uh, virus itself. So people, for example, with pre-existing physical or mental health problems or who had a precarious financial situation in the first place, all of those people are, are far more vulnerable to what will happen next. You've been listening to Alistair Santhouse, a British psychiatrist and the author of Head First, How the Mind Heals the Body. We'll be right back. How do you assess the impact particularly on healthcare workers, people who are there on the, on the front line of this of this effort? I, you know, I sometimes when I'm watching a film and I see the, you know, that the main character needs to come through a series of adversities before eventually triumphing. It gets to a certain point where there's one too many where you think, oh, come on, you just just want their suffering to be over and just to just so that the redemption can happen and you can enjoy the rest of the film. I, I feel a lot of frontline workers are getting to that stage of, of not, not again. You know, as soon as they think that they've fought clear of the latest adversity, they're facing another one. And I think there is a sense of exhaustion, of burnout, of exasperation, demoralization amongst a lot of people. And not only that, but of course, colleagues going off sick with, with the virus 
just puts an additional strain. And there's been very little let up. A lot of people haven't really had holidays in a long time. So I think amongst healthcare workers as well, there undoubtedly has been an impact. And, and it's perhaps not something that's considered, or at least not, not considered commonly, it is that they're fundamentally people too who suffer in the way that the rest of us do. So there was this. Um, there was some new polling just out, um, published in the US by Monmouth, and it found that I've got a few of the findings here mm-hmm. that most Americans feel worn out by the changes that COVID has brought into their lives. Nearly half of people said they felt angry about those changes. Three in five said they felt worn out by the pandemic. At this stage, 18 months, two years in, does that kind of finding chime with with your experience and your knowledge of of the human mind and and how it works? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think that we've seen a a lot of this and and we give it different names like burnout, but just feeling worn out by it, sort of repeatedly battered down. See, in my experience as a psychiatrist, um, you see people with a single bad event. And most people will come to terms with that event. And I'm not saying that that's always an easy thing for them to do, but people will usually in the end make a mental adjustment to a specific thing that's happened that's been very negative in their lives. What people don't tolerate at all, in my experience, is chronic uncertainty. They just, you can't make a mental adjustment to it. You don't quite know what it is that you're adjusting to. And I feel that that's one of the most sort of mentally destructive kind of experiences for people to have is this is this sense of, of they don't, just can't quite get over it, can't get the measure of it. When's, when's it all going to finish? If you knew what loss there would be, if you could encapsulate it, think about it clearly, talk about it objectively as, well, that was the final tally. I think people would find it much easier. But this relentlessness, this wave after wave, and then you think it's Christmas time and everything's going to be okay again, and then Omicron suddenly rears up and it starts to starts to increase. And I think it's unsurprising to hear that people are just worn out by it now. Your uh, new book is Head First. It is a set of stories from your career, uh, but it's also a book in which you set out some seemingly quite fundamental things about healthcare and how we might think about it. What was your aim in, in writing this? What sort of thing did you want to get across and, and get out there? So I, I'm a, I, I trained as a physician. Um, I, I did a medical degree and then um, worked in hospital medicine for a few years and then retrained to become a psychiatrist. And my professional career has been on the interface between psychiatry and medicine. And there's, I, I think there was a few things that, that I noticed. I think the first one is how psychiatry seems to come into every aspect of healthcare pretty well no matter where in the hospital that was. One of the things that's most striking is how little experience people have of symptoms is explained by disease. And yet we somehow maintain uh, an illusion, if you like, that physical symptoms always represent something having gone wrong with your body. And my my issue was that our conceptualization of, of people's health is that 
at the moment, people are considered to be like machines. Um, and I, I sort of try and illustrate how people's mind affects their physical health. And it, and it comes in in all sorts of ways from persistent pain to uh, various other health conditions. So you might have something that aches, a body part that aches. And you're saying that there could well be, if you trace this back, a cause in your mind rather than in the piece of your body that's hurting. Yeah, I mean, I think I would make the distinction between acute pain and chronic pain in that respect. I mean, if you walk into a plate glass window, which I've done fairly recently and bang your forehead, there's no question of where the pain is, is coming from. And, and, and everyone can agree on that. But very often for long-term pain, there is, ultimately you feel pain as electrical impulses in, in your brain. And very often it's influenced by all sorts of other factors that don't have to do with your pain receptors, your emotional state. So we all know that people who are a bit depressed feel pain more. It has to do with anxiety. What is this pain? It has to do with your sense of control. Will, is there anything I can do? Will it get better? So there's a whole range of other factors. You know, one of them, I worked in casualty when I was a junior doctor, and I was always struck by why people came in at night with toothache. And it, it, I think in the end came down to the fact that at nighttime, when people weren't distracted anymore, when their day had finished and they were lying in bed, then the whole focus was on how much their tooth was throbbing. And, and in other words, it's, a, it's about a whole range of factors why people experience the things that they do. Look, there may be some underlying uh, physical problem as well, or there may not be, but I'm saying that there's a whole range of other factors for things like pain that, that are often not really considered and so you can get to escalating doses of painkillers and even opiates sometimes when really the, the problem lies elsewhere. And it's the elsewhere, the psychological, the mental health side of thing that I wanted to talk about in the book. You've been listening to Alistair Santhouse, a British psychiatrist and the author of Head First, How the Mind Heals the Body. We'll be right back. You have a quote in the book um, from Benjamin Franklin, as in one of the founding fathers, Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> uh, and the quote is, nothing is more fatal to health than an over care of it. What is it about his attitude to health care that, that chimes with you? I love that quote. Uh, I, I think it's because there, there is an illusion that the more we think about our physical health, the more we look after it, the better our health will be. But I don't think there's much evidence to support that notion. We, we've become ever more preoccupied with our bodies, with trackers and all sorts of other sleep analytics and who knows what. And people log how much water they drink in a day. And, and, I, and I think that that preoccupation, well, I would call it a preoccupation anyway. I'm not sure to what extent it's making us healthier and to what extent we just become a little bit fixated. We become hypervigilant to our bodily sensations. We begin to worry about what they mean. And because we, there is a narrative, if you like, in society that for each physical symptom, there must be a cause that you can find somewhere if only you look hard enough. People often fall down this rabbit hole of tests and investigations and repeat investigations. And before you know what's happening 
you you end up um, sort of making a patient of yourself. And, and so I think that's what Benjamin Franklin's quote sort of expresses so nicely, that, that sometimes, you know, it, it, it pays you not to be too preoccupied by your physical health. Alistair Santos, psychiatrist, the author of Head First, How the Mind Heals the Body. Thanks very much for speaking to us. Thank you for having me on. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Dominich, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Dominich Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.